have you ever felt you'd be so much more productive and successful if you just had more time? Do you feel like you're constantly chasing your tail and feel rushed and hurried in everything you do? And would you like to feel more calm and present, not just at work, but at home too? In this episode, I'm joined by Liz O'Riordan, an author, ex-surgeon and cancer patient who has discovered some hacks that have transformed the quality and quantity of time she's able to spend on her work, with her family and just enjoying life. So have a listen if you want to find out a simple technique to drastically get you off your phone and reduce the time you spend on it how to reduce your stress and overload that can come with an overflowing email inbox. And listen if you want to find out why we need to focus on a daily highlight before we do anything else. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, life hacks for doctors and busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turned coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. And I'm interested in how we can wake up and be excited about going to work, no matter what. I've had 20 years experience of working in the NHS, both on the front line and teaching leadership and resilience. I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed, worried about making a mistake and one crisis away from not coping. 2021 promises to be a particularly challenging year. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been compared to frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, working harder and longer. And the heat has been turned up so slowly that we hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to the low-grade feelings of stress and exhaustion. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. Through training as an executive and team coach, I discovered some hugely helpful resilience and productivity tools that transformed the way I approached my work. I've been teaching these principles over the last few years as the Shapes Toolkit programme, because if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to thrive, not just survive in our work and our lives and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. 
So it's absolutely fantastic to have with me back again on the podcast, Miss Liz O'Reels. And is that right? Um, yes, it I know, is. Liz, you're an author, you're a broadcaster. The reason I hesitate because you're an ex-breast surgeon, so it's Miss as opposed to doctor. Um, but I have and- a PhD, so I am ah. actually a doctor, Miss Doctor, just to confuse things. <laughs> so Miss, Miss, Mrs. O'Reardon is fine. <laughs> Dr. Mrs. Dr. Mrs. O'Reardon, and as well as being an express surgeon, you are a cancer patient yourself as well. Yeah. So a very sort of broad portfolio. And you had a book come out, was it, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before now, um, which I wrote with Trisha Greenhouse, who's been behind a lot of the evidence about wearing masks now. She's gone off down that field. But just to help patients understand what it's like, because we were two doctors who thought we knew everything and we had no idea. I and really recommend that book. It's been Sorry. nice to be able to help people all over the world. We still get comments saying, thank you for telling me what it was really like. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can imagine because, you know, when you get diagnosed, where do you look for information? What, what do you do? And, and I think the way that you guys just literally pulled all of your collective knowledge, both as a patient, but as a GP and as a surgeon, you know, what an absolutely fantastic yeah. resource. So, and it won BMJ Book of the Year, didn't it? It did. It did in the patient category. I just think there's so much scary stuff online and it's hard to know what's true and what isn't and what do you believe. And we just wanted to kind of distill everything we'd found. So, you know, we're really, really proud of it. Mm. Oh, congratulations. And you just told me you're writing another book. Are you allowed to tell us what it's about yet? I am. Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing a book about my own surgical memoirs as the woman in a man's world dealing with the, the really tough times that you go through, both as a young, naive woman dealing with patients on the ward and the various ways that you're trained and how you adapt to that leading up to me getting cancer as a surgeon myself. So it's nearly finished. Gosh. Wow. I'm really looking forward to reading that. That's going to be, that's going to be brilliant. So the reason we got Liz back on the podcast, not only did I want to get her back anyway and, and have a chat and find out how she's doing, because the, the two previous podcast episodes have been incredibly popular, Liz. So um, if you've not listened to them, go back and listen. There were some of the, the earlier ones that we did. But Liz, you put on Twitter something about, well, a book that you've been reading, but actually what caught my attention was that I think it all started you changed your home phone screen or something I did posted about it on Twitter tell us about that post so I my husband and I will spend hours on our phone and we will dm each other on Twitter instead of talking to each other it's become the the default in you just look at your phone the first thing you do in the morning and I've read a lot of books about how to break up with your phone or what to do but I've never done it and I read this book and I did what they say. And now the home screen of my phone is just my lockdown, my picture of me and my husband at our wedding. And the only app on it is the phone symbol at the very, very bottom. Everything else has gone off the home screen. Wow. That must be and great. Reac- how, does that, how does that feel when you look at it? It's really freeing. It's just, I look at my phone and it's a phone. And if I want to use any of the apps, I have to scroll two or three or four pages across. And I've only got two or three apps on each page. And I've realized now with an iPhone, you can delete them all off the home screen because it keeps them in an app library. But it means that I don't automatically go phone, WhatsApp, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's harder for me to find things that distract me. Mm -hmm. And the reaction I had of people, some thought I was mad. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Ah! Phone. But it, it, it's so freeing. I have so much more time now. Gosh, how much would you say it's reduced your phone use by? Probably about half. Wow. And it's, again, that also comes down to the, the things in the book we'll talk about. But it was just something about my phone is just a phone. 
I have a house full of books to read and I have a load of sewing patterns I'm not done and a garden to weed and I'm not doing any of it because I'm spending all my time scrolling through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram on repeat. I'm not writing my book because I'm always on social media and just either deleting them off the phone or making them more difficult to find. Just it's that mental block that just stops you saying, hang on a minute, do you really want to do it? Yeah. It's all that stuff. You did it as well, didn't you? You changed your phone having seen the tweet. So I saw your tweet. I saw the book. <laughs> I thought that looks good. So I bought the book, read it and I changed my, now I must say on my home screen, I have, I did put a lovely picture of my daughter and I have, I, I have four now I'm sort of holding it up. I've got just the, the few productivity things that I need for my work, but, and then my diary and but that. So I've actually got eight things on my home screen, which is just settings in my, my wallet as well for when I pay yeah. for things. Move and them to the next page. Don't do you reckon, you reckon I should yeah. go completely? Yeah. Well, no, they're on the phone. So I have, I have the NHS COVID app. I've got my yeah. calendar. I've got my bank. They're on the second screen. Okay. You can just swipe across and they're there, but that first screen being blank with just the phone. All right. I'll try that. Try it. You can find Safari. You can just by searching, you can get them really quickly, but there's just something about having a blank screen and it makes Mm. you think, why have I picked up my phone? Is it because Mm. I'm bored? Do I really need to? Yeah. So that's really interesting because we haven't mentioned the book, have we? We haven't. We're going to get onto the book in a second. I just want to explore this 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 thing because I've read another book. Before we get into the book, we are going to talk about yeah called Make Time, which is fantastic. There's another book called Indistractable by a chap called Nir Ayal, who Uh I heard talking on the Rangan Chatterjee podcast, and he talks about you know because just made me think of that when he said we we pick up our phone just almost to ease some pain or to just yeah. because we're we want to distract ourselves we're doing something's a little bit too hard and we just want to distract ourselves and, and, and indistractable he says that um avoiding distractions is is um is pain management this <laughs> is time management it's pain management and I found myself doing that I'm working on a project thinking oh I'm not quite sure just check my messages yeah. and and if you just make that hard then everything we know about behavior change if you make it put a little bit of friction you, you're not going to do it and it reminds you so I'm, I'm going to do that so once we finish here I'm going to take everything off that even that home screen and do it so I have to scroll and you know even doing that and removing my emails the first week it reduced my phone use by 81 percent actually so have you taken your emails off your phone yes <clears throat> I haven't done that yet because sometimes emails have got like barcode tickets for trains and things. So I'm, st- I'm still a bit reluctant to do that, but I don't uh, check email on my phone. So I take a screenshot of my barcode tickets off my email. Oh. So I've just screenshot them and then I've got them. So that, That's that, a good that idea. works, but I haven't, I must say I haven't, when I say I've taken my email off them, they're, they're not on the home screen. They are if you just do, yeah. if, you, if you search for it in an app, but it makes it quite difficult. So I just don't do it. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Let's talk about, let's talk about the book because it, it has been really good. So the book is, and I'll show if, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, it's a yellow book with a cover saying, Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day by Jake Knapp and John Zaratsky. Um, and this is quite a nice little strap line here. If you want to achieve more without going nuts, read this book. And that's the guy who wrote The Power of Habit. So how did you come across it in the first place, Liz? I was scrolling through Amazon. I, I bought a couple. Of, so I bought Digital Minimalism, which is a book by Cal Newport, which basically talks about how social media are designed to keep you coming back, mm. to keep you looking, to keep you scrolling. And again, he decide, he realized he was spending all his life on his phone. And my husband and I had watched a film, I can't remember now, about the power of the phone and how it's ruining families and parents aren't talking to their children. And we both thought, right, we need to use our phone less 
Sunday is their phone-free days, but you keep coming back. And I saw this on an, an Amazon recommended reading and I bought it. Mm. And I was hooked. And I, I had it on a Kindle. I thought, no, I need the hard copy of this book because I just need to keep going back to it. And I bought a copy for my husband for Christmas. And I said, trust me, read it. And he's like, right, okay. He's done the same with his phone. And it's just transformed our lives. And I think we don't know how to be bored. I don't achieve anything during the day, really, because as you say, you're half an hour into a project and your mind, oh, I'll just see what's on Twitter. And then you're suddenly down a hole and you're looking at something else. And it was a way of making each day productive because the guys who wrote it are behind Gmail and YouTube. So they know how to make things addictive. And they both said they were spending hours on their phone. And if the guys behind it say, this is bad, we don't do it. But they just broke it down into really easy, simple steps that I just thought, this resonates with me. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really good. Like it's a very, very practical book, but it also sort of explained, you know, what's going on with you. Um, you know, why, why things are so addictive. Um, yeah. And that was, was it the social dilemma that you watched on Netflix? Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched that. And I'm, in fact, there's a podcast about that with James Tambaraja because that really affected me. And actually I managed to get my kids to watch that by saying to them, right, I, you don't need to watch this documentary, but I've got a massive box of chocolate and it's staying with me in this room. So if you want to have the chocolate, you've got to watch the documentary. Love it. Yeah, they did. And they sat there going, oh my goodness. And um, so often we find ourselves, you know, my daughter's trying to talk to me and I'm going, oh, just hang on, a, hang on a sec. Yeah. And what she can see is me, I'm, I'm actually answering a work email. So I'm, I'm working, but she just sees me on my phone. Yeah. And what these guys in the make time talk about, yes, emails, emails bad and work bad, but also we get sucked into what they call infinity pools. Yes. So the infinity pools are things that are bottomless. So the internet or Facebook or Twitter, you know, they are bottomless, aren't they? You, yeah. LinkedIn, you could just go on forever reading content on those things. Which was your and particular thing that was... Tricky. I think, for me, it was always Twitter. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it, I realised it's all very shallow. I am looking at Twitter, not to read what other people are doing, to, but to see who's commented on what I've posted. Okay. Someone like what I've done, someone do what I've said, and actually, I don't need it. Um, Instagram is a world of sewing patterns. I, and I, I got rid of Facebook. I don't look at Facebook at all. And there's some things that I won't get access to anymore, some local clubs, but I thought I don't need it in my life. And I muted a load of people on Instagram. So I purely follow it for exercise and sewing patterns. So I don't care what all these strangers are doing, but if I mute them, they don't know that I'm not following them. Okay. And I've, I've not quite yet taken Twitter off my phone, but I'm trying to use it as a work tool. So I'll yes. schedule in half an hour. I go on Twitter. I post what I need to, to maintain my profile I don't need to spend hours looking at it because I thought I'm more worried about what someone's doing in America than when was the last time I rang a friend from university. Yeah. yeah. And it's that my husband and I are both looking at Twitter, seeing what's going on in the States, but we haven't talked to each other. And I think you just get so absorbed in this being nosy about other people's lives and you don't look after your own. Mm. And it's a bit With of an addiction, isn't it? So, it is sorry. an addiction. No, it is definitely an addiction. And I think the phones are fantastic, but they make it so easy. For me, it was email though, because I would look at an email on my phone and I didn't think I had the time to reply. So I then mark it as unread. So I would then read it again on my laptop when I didn't really have the time to reply. And it was just this treadmill of not getting anything done. 
Yeah. Now that was a really helpful tip from the book. And we're, we're going to we'll go through, I'm going to ask you in a yeah. minute what your most helpful <clears throat> tips were. With the email, so this this isn't just about sorting, the mate time book is not just about sorting out your phone use. Although no. that is that is a big thing, because that is, if you look at what sucks your, sucks your time, it's probably social media and phone use. But actually email. And, and um, what I found fascinating was that they said that there is no difference in productivity between someone who checks their email 10 or 20 times a day and someone who only checks it three times a day. And I realized that it's like, you said if you have it on your phone and you're checking it you get you get the stress of seeing the message but you can't often answer it and really don't want to be typing away an answer to an email on your phone so what happens is this unfinished task gets gets lodged in your brain and then you get to it later or the next day but all you're doing is adding these unfinished tasks into your brain whereas if you very intentional about when you're going to check your email maybe three times a day you check your email you've got time to send a quick reply it's done and dusted so actually it makes a huge amount of sense about reducing stress and I think it's training people that you don't always reply automatically I think, especially in the, the Twitter, the DMs, everyone's like, reply, reply, reply. I know you've seen the message on WhatsApp. Why haven't you replied to me? And I think it's, I don't look at, I don't reply to work emails on a Friday. That's my day off. People can wait until the Monday. And if you take time to reply, they kind of get used to you not replying instantly. It's, it's kind of training yourself to do it when it's right for you, not because you think they're expecting it. Yeah. And one of the hacks in the book is, is pretend messages are letters. So yes. <laughs> if you get a letter, you won't like go, right, got to write reply right now. Otherwise they're going to get, well, it's just like a couple of days. Well, not that I've had a letter for years. If anyone wants to write me a letter, please do. I'll write you one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, pretend the messages are letters, be slow to respond and sort of reset expectations about yeah. when and how. And I did a, I did an email course just a really short course about managing inbox and I really like this they put um if you just put NNTR in a in a title no need to reply so literally I'm just sending this to you no need to reply because often you send it someone goes thanks for the info how are you and then you go well I'm fine thanks yeah. and you and they go yeah not too bad and then the last and you like, suddenly there's when do you ten, stop the chain 10 emails <laughs> so no need to reply that can be good not responding really that 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 fast leaving things a few days so you so you're basically slowing everything down so it's actually really good good for email hacks um what would you say to someone who felt a bit nervous about having email off the phone and i'm thinking of you know if you've, you've got doctors who are away from their desks quite a lot of the time would it not make them feel nervous or do you think even no even in a busy day in, in surgery could you could you not check your emails until well later? i guess it's working out is there any is there going to be an email that will come in that is so important that you need to drop everything you're doing and reply to it there and then and often it's not because if something is that important they'll probably text you or message you or 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 get in contact another way most emails aren't urgent and I think I mean I used to in between clinics you check your phone because you're bored and you look and then you're oh there's an email and shall I book that for the cinema and actually if you can train yourself right lunchtime half an hour I'll look at my phone and my emails but then if, if you don't have time to reply, it's training yourself to do it later. But then later doesn't happen when you're working all day because then you get home and it's family time. And it may be right. I've got 20 minutes where I will look and scan, but I will have a couple of hours one evening just to manage my inbox. Mm. But when it breaks into your day, you lose your sense of concentration and actually you should all be focusing on the patients. But it's hard. Yeah. And then you've got work emails as well. And it's very hard to know which one of those you need to reply. And you've got those all reply. Everyone says everything and it's a long train. 
And it's almost block. Can you find a way to block out 20 minutes of a day where you just look at emails and no distractions and then it's done? Yeah. And then you don't look at them again until the next day. It, don't do them at home. Don't do them at 10 o'clock at night because you shouldn't be doing it and people expect it. It's like if I haven't, I check, you could almost have a, a, an out, a, re- a reply message. Mm. I check my emails at four o'clock every day or six o'clock before I go home. Um, that's when you get a reply from me. And I like that, it, doing it in the afternoon or after lunch, because I think a, 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 when we talk about this on the course, a, a mistake a lot of people make is you get to work, first thing you do is check your emails. Yeah. Actually, like first thing in the morning, that's when you're going to be mega productive. That's when you've got lots yeah. of energy. I've, I don't know when you write your book, but, you know, I try and get my big projects and my creative stuff done first thing in the morning because yeah. without any email interruptions. I try, I mean, again, from the book, I try not to look at email or WhatsApp or messages until lunchtime. So I can focus on what I need to get done in the day. And then the afternoon, when you're a bit less, as you say, wired up, you can slowly look at messages and and emails and reply. But the first thing in the morning going into work, right, I've got clinic or I've got a list to do, I've got this. And then you're lost in a whole chain of emails about business cases. And suddenly the clinical focus is gone. And we need to train everybody just calm down. And not send so many emails and just try and, but it's hard. It is hard. And I think that you said earlier as well, this thing about we're not very good at being bored. You know, I remember being at university, like before mobile phones. (laughs) Me too. We're really old, aren't we? (laughs) Some people listening to this podcast going, what? I get it. You'll push for time and with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to you are not a slash quiz you'd go to the phone box of the pile of 50 bees to call your yeah. friends and arrange a night out yeah yeah or, or or you'd arrange somewhere and you'd be where you said you'd be at the right exactly. time because they couldn't tell you they were running late or couldn't yes. be able to come. <laughs> You'd make an arrangement and you would stick to it, not like these days. Anyway, right. So you'd be standing at the post office in a queue waiting to post something or a letter because you used to send letters in those days. And you wouldn't have a phone to look at. So you'd just be thinking and reflecting on the yeah. conversation that you just had or what you're doing. And, you know. That brings me to another book I read over lockdown called The Natural Health Service. And I can't remember who it's by, but amazing woman who kind of used, she had depression and she just talks about being aware. And when you go for a walk, you look at the grass and she, she goes out with like a microscope and binoculars and just looking at, oh, there's a fungus there and look at the bark on that tree and just being aware of your surroundings and looking and thinking and reflecting everything around you and not the screen. And it's really made me, because I go on a dog walk with a podcast in one ear and my brain would be running and actually just, just look at what you're seeing. Mm. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, we were going to London, um, the train with the kids to, to see a show and I forgot my phone. <laughs> I left my phone at home. I felt, first of all, I felt completely naked. I was like, Ugh. yeah, but we managed, I managed to work out where my phone was, etc. And then it, oh, we had such a good day. 
because I chatted to my children. I mean, they were all on their phones, but I said, yeah. <laughs> and I read a paper and I just walked around. I just didn't have that compulsive, do I need to do, do I need to check stuff? And I think doing what you're doing, I mean, it, it's it's good to be contactable, but but just getting off so you haven't got that option is is so, so important. So yeah, yeah get rid of that. What From the book, what else was helpful for you? I think one thing was deciding what the highlight of the day is going to be. What one thing am I going to achieve today? And I'm going to do that in the hours when I'm most productive. And whether that is getting the ironing done or writing a chapter in a book, or if you're work operating, whatever it is, that is your one priority and planning my day. So one of them is a bit anally retentive about it, but he will say half six, get up, shower, half seven, check emails. But actually I've got a daily plan and I plan what I'm going to do so I don't get lost. And I also liked, they talk about being a morning, is it a lark and a night owl? Mm. I always thought I was a night owl and I was more productive at night, but I think actually I'm better first thing in the morning. And I've got a, a lamp that wakes me up with natural daylight and birdsong about six o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm now trying to get up and do an hour of exercise then so it's done. And then a couple of hours of writing before I look at emails and messages. And suddenly by nine or 10 o'clock, I've achieved more than I would have done if I just got up at eight or nine. Again, I don't work, so I have the luxury of lying in. But it's those golden hours in the morning when it's really quiet. And I've suddenly, I've bought myself another couple of hours in the day. Mm. I must say, I'm not relishing the thought of getting up at half past six. <laughs> I would struggle but it doesn't, I did think I was a night owl, but I'm not. I do my best work first thing for sure. And the thing of the highlight has been really, really helpful for me as well. And that goes, there was yeah. another book I read called, this is just like a, we're just listing all these books, aren't we? I know. Called, called Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. And I don't know if you've read that one. I've heard of it, but I've not read it yet. Yeah, no, he does, he he's, talks about priorities all the time. So basically every day you've got to set three pri- three things you're going to achieve in the day and every week your three week priorities and every month your three so you're constantly thinking about what what are my priorities I think most of us and particularly doctors and other people in these sort of high stress very very busy jobs think we can do more than we can we probably I think if I estimate how much how long a task is going to take I just actually need to double that yeah and most of us are like that and and then we end up with these massive long to-do lists which we don't ever get to the bottom of. And that's profoundly demoralizing. We think, oh, I haven't done that. You know, yes, I've got through my surgery and cleared my, you know, and done all the results and stuff, but I haven't written that, that business plan that I needed to, or I haven't written that protocol or, or Or even the life admin, the stuff that you need to do to keep your your life running outside of work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And how do we, you know, then you're constantly dropping balls and feeling guilty. But but actually, yeah. if you have these three priorities every day, so the Make Time book says get one highlight, and I really like that. That the one thing I need to get done. But actually, the, for me, I use the highlight and the priorities. It's the highlight is the thing I'm going to do first. Yeah. So that's the thing that I'm going to spend my really creative morning hours on. But then I've got these other couple of priorities that I I need to do today. And if I've done them today, I'm done you know, or I I have done enough because I think in life we strive, don't we, to have an empty inbox or an empty to-do list, but that's never gonna. It's like at work, you never see all the patients, you never do all the jobs and it's just accepting. I think it's breaking big tasks down into little things. And I use, they suggest timers because often the thought of doing a task, you think it's going to take you hours and you don't have time. 
And I will often set myself a timer of half an hour. And I'm amazed that I've done it in half the time. And it doesn't take as long as I thought it would. And that has been really helped me tackle the things I don't want to do. Well, I just break them down into chunks. I'll do half an hour, no distractions, then I'll stop. And that's been a real yeah. thing. So again, it's, none of these ideas are, are new, are they? Because that, no. that idea comes from, well, there's another book called years, The 15-Minute Rule. I don't yes. know if you've seen yeah. that. Which is re- Actually, that's one of the things on courses. People say, that 15-Minute Rule, really good. The whole book is pretty much, if you've got something you really don't want to do, like maybe a tax return, you've got, you've got to yep. find some stuff that you don't know where it is or something. You literally set your timer for 15 minutes. You say, I'm going to do 15 minutes. And at the end of this, if I haven't done it, I'm going to stop or I'm just going to stop and come back to it. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, you get to 15 minutes, you're halfway through, you think another five minutes, I'm done. It's yep. just getting over that mental barrier, isn't it? And I think nothing we're saying is new. It's just the book Make Time just clicked in my brain how they described it, how these two men who were involved at making you addicted to your phones stepped away and turned their life around. It just clicked and resonated. It was really simple, really easy to follow. Um, Yeah. And it it wasn't just about making time in time hacks, although there were a lot in there. It was all about actually being able to focus on what the really important things are for you. So how, how has that changed for you having read the book? I think it's made me, again, realize that I need to look after myself. They talk about you have to energize yourself. So you need to sleep well and eat well and exercise. And although I do a lot of exercise, over Christmas, it was hard to get back into it. And I realized if I don't have my daily walk, if I don't do this, I'm not as productive. And it it has to be a package. You have to look after yourself to look after other people mm. and make yourself a priority. Yeah. And were there anything... Is there anything else that you've actually managed to find time for since this book that you've really appreciated? I've actually found time to read, but it's actually to switch my brain off so I can stop and I can think and concentrate. So I'd seen a review in one of the newspapers about favorite books that authors had read. And I asked, my husband got me a load of them for Christmas. I thought, I'm never going to read them, but I've actually read three books in January. And I now feel calm enough that I can sit and I've, instead of two hours on Twitter at night, I will go and read. And that's, it's been brilliant just to sit and get lost in a book again and not worry that there's nothing I'm not doing because I've done my highlight for the day. Mm. I've looked after myself. I've done my day for tomorrow. I know what I've got coming up and I can just sit and read. Mm. What about it's, you? Yeah, I think, I think the reading thing is, is really important. I'm just trying to think about what have I done with that extra time? I, I think for me, it's actually just being more present when yeah. I, you know, with, with the kids you know that actually whereas before if someone was in the kitchen cooking I, or me I might be sat on my phone or my husband or in the yeah. evening if watching telly actually you know interesting my daughter is quite the, the other day I, I had to I was doing something on my laptop because I had yeah. to I had to do it it was something I I can't remember what it was um and we were watching the crown and at the end of it she said to me I thought we were going to watch this together and I said, well, we are watching it together. She said, no, you're not. You've been on your laptop. And I, I realized that even if I thought I was spending time, she didn't think I was spending time. Yeah. And that's definitely one of her love languages. So actually, it might not have given me loads more extra time, but it means that what I am doing, I'm much more present. Yeah. And it's more satisfying. 
And I think my husband and I are terrible. We'll, we'll watch a TV program, but one or both of us will be looking at our phones as well. Mm. And you've got one eye on it, but you're just checking something else. I think it's actually, if we're going to watch telly, then we're going to just watch a program and get rid of all the gadgets, the laptops. If we're listening to music, we will just listen to music and actually be together. And it's really strange at first. It's really, really hard. But then it just becomes lovely. And what we did, having read the book, we we went and spent um, three days just before lockdown um, Christmas in a digital detox. It was basically a Scandinavian shipping container in a field in the middle of Essex. Um, they locked your phones away in a box. It was a tiny old Nokia if you needed it. Um, completely off grid. They had a really slow pouring kettle and, and tea bags. Everything was meant to make you slow down. And we just spent three days walking and talking and reading. Mm. And it was wonderful just just to reconnect and realize the person you're living with or your children and how wonderful they are and just to spend time with them. And actually, they had an old Polaroid camera. So you had to take, if you wanted a picture, it was an old fashioned Polaroid and there was an old map so you didn't get lost. And it was just, you don't need your phone. You can have fun without your phone because you don't know where you're going or where you'll end up. It's fun exploring and yeah. Because everything we do, I was going to say, yeah, walking great, but actually we take our phones because we've got the ordnance survey map on the phone. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. and then of course you look at that and you see you've got a message, so you go down there again. I mean, I love the idea of that. Whether my children would appreciate spending three days with us without their phones is, is, is quite another thing. I think they would yes. be horrified. But it's interesting that we actually need to go to places to do that, that we find yeah. it difficult to do that for ourselves exactly. because we're so wide into it. And so we we try to have Sundays that are Apple free days, but if you don't remind each other, we'll go back into it. And it, it's hard to do it at home. It is a habit. It is it's an addiction of just not being able to focus on what's really important. Yeah, yeah we used to have screen free Sundays actually, and it really it really slipped at last year over lockdown. But I'm going to make a note to do a screen free Sunday, even if it's even it's even if it's just me. I think that would be yeah. really helpful. I think this thing about reading books as well sometimes you can get into the and I certainly have get into the habit of thinking the only books I should be reading are these sort of self-improving books and you know I've got to read everything that's it's got to be useful and blah 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 and actually what I've really enjoyed is because I definitely what my my rule I have for myself is no phones in bedrooms because I just yeah I'll be on my phone we've done that it makes a huge difference but reading fiction yeah just it's so lovely to get lost in a really amazing fiction fiction book that's not well, it does improve your mind. You do learn stuff, but not in the, not in the way that we maybe start no. to see as productive. No, because I, I would I would reread self help books that I'd read before because it was comforting. I didn't need to think; it was passing the time. But actually, I'm going to get a book. I'm going to sit and read it for fun. It's not wasting my life. It's just, and then talking about it with others, and and it's it's a way of connecting with people and sparking ideas, and it's just realizing. I think making the time to focus on what's important to you. I was listening to a podcast. I think it was James Clear who wrote the Atomic Habits book. Yeah. And he was, you know, wrong and chatty. He's writing another book saying, how do you be creative all the time? How do you do this? And he said, well, it's about what I consume. He said, because pretty, and I wrote this down because I, I was in my car, I had to be like, oh, I can't write this down. Hey, Siri. <laughs> and it works. So I was yeah. quite impressed. Uh, he said, pretty much every thought we have is downstream from the content we consume. Interesting. And I guess if you spend your life obsessed with 
the world and the news and politics, then your brain is going to be, yeah, you're right, actually. It just, it, it really, I thought that, that is so true. Yes. And if we're just literally only on Twitter, just sort of with the quite superficial stuff, or we're only on or obsessed about Brexit and Trump and America yeah. or bad things, then how are you going to get the freedom to come up with something new? Yeah. But if we're consuming really amazing but fiction books or, you know, biographies or just looking in, in nature, that's consuming in yeah. a different way as well. And I just thought, yeah, we, we don't pay enough attention to, to what we put into our, into ourselves and into our brains, do we? And getting some positivity in your life because often online is all depressing and you tend to follow the same people talking about the same things. So there's nothing new for me. It's I feed the birds every morning and nothing makes me smile more than seeing the blue tits on the feeder. And that's my moment of just getting away from everything. Mm-hmm. It's so important. So, and, and not just to make you feel better, but for productivity and for, for life in general. So we're going to have to finish in a minute, but I just wanted yep. to come back to this, this highlight of the day and how actually the act of reflecting and thinking through, because you mentioned earlier Oh, I know I've done my day for tomorrow. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So I I go through what I've done today and and A, did I do it? Do I need to spend more time on it? What went well? What didn't? Um, Do I need, do I need to change when I eat my breakfast or did I have the right amount of tea or coffee or just was I in the right mood to do it? And then I plan the next day and I plan my next highlights. So before I go to bed, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I know when my meetings are. I know I'm not going to be late for anything. And it's just thinking, yeah, I did that today. Well done. I've not wasted it. Give myself a little pat on the head. Um, it's that feeling of achieving something and actually how simple it was to do it. And I'm presuming that's going to relieve the stress the next day waking up as well. You yeah. Because I get so many, so many calls and emails and requests and pulls on your time. And it's hard just to lose track of what's going on. And yes, they're on your phone, but then you need to look at your phone to find out when they are. And now I have a piece of paper and I write down what I'm going to do at what time. And it, it just stops me stressing because I know I can fit everything in. And I then know I've got the evening that's free for me and my husband or my husband and I, sorry, very bad grammar. If we don't have bad grammar on this podcast, no. it's terrible. Um, do you do the reflecting? I do. And actually a friend of mine really kindly gave me this thing called the six minute journal. It's sort of sat on my, yeah. my table there and I sit there in the morning and it's lovely because actually I've tried keeping in a journal before and it hasn't worked because just faced with a blank page, I'm like, oh, but I write, but this one, it's like three things I'm grateful for. What, what's going to be my, literally what is, what I'm, today will be great if I, what's going to be my highlight. And then it's got a bit yeah. of the evening where you write things that made today good what what act of generosity do, did I do today? Uh, I like that because this year I, I really want to focus on on generosity more. Yeah, and there was also a how can I improve, which which is an interesting one, and then three things that went well. So it sort of guides you through it. I'm absolutely loving it because it it's it's a no brainer, and I I love that time. And I'm trying to spend just half an hour in the morning in that chair, reflecting, doing a bit of meditation or prayer, and then writing down my highlight, what am I going to do today? But, yeah. but I think the gratitude and the positivity is so important. It, may, it does make a huge amount of difference to my day. And also putting in the time, and this is another time hack that a friend of mine told me recently. If you've got a commitment in your diary, don't just put, or you need to do something, don't just put it on your to-do list, put it in your diary as a, as a schedule. Yeah. So don't just say, send a proposal to blah, block out two hours to send the proposal to blah 
and that, that's much less stressful because I know that even if you've got a lot of work on, it's all schedules in. It's all it's all yeah, in. Exactly. Relieves the stress. So I thought, well, gosh, we've talked about, uh, uh, gone all around the houses on this, but it's been really fascinating. Liz, what would you say, you know, what would your, your top sort of two or three highlights from this book or, or tips for people, things that you've learned recently that you'd sort of want people to take home as take home messages? I think the first thing for me was making my phone less addictive. Yeah. And with an iPhone, you can delete all the apps off your home screen, but you can find them in the library at the back. And just having a lovely picture on the front and the phone button, it makes it harder to find the Twitter and Facebook, the things you waste your time on. It just makes it nicer to look at. You can see that lovely picture. Working out when is, the second one is working out when you're most productive and using that for the one thing, the highlight of your day that you want to do. And it doesn't have to be work. It could be playing with the kids. It could be cooking, using every bowl and utensil in the kitchen. But scheduling that in and making sure that you do that one thing and then it was their energizing and looking after yourself, making sure that you are getting your daily exercise in. You're not just sitting at your desk writing, that you do look after yourself. Yeah. Thank you. And I what think. What would I, yours be? Oh, I was just thinking, I, I don't sure I got much to add into that. I think my additional hat would be deleting emails off your phone as well. That yes. for me has been really important. I think. Sitting that, down and do them properly to a laptop where you can act on them. Rather yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just being being able to be more present in what you're already doing will yeah. give you feel a more spacious life and 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 the for me it's the reflecting and putting the the highlight in every day has been an absolute absolute game game changer it's kind of stopping us all multitasking isn't it and just do one thing at a time and do it well yeah which is another one of my favorite books which is essentialism <laughs> We're not going to go there now, though. No. Recommend that so much. But anyway, Liz, thank you so much for coming on. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Will you come back again sometime I'd love to. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much. So, uh, Liz, if people want to contact you, find out more about your work, where can can they contact you? So I'm, I shouldn't say I'm on Twitter, but I'm at Liz O'Riordan on Twitter. Um, My email is liz at uk. I do have a website with my cancer blog, uk, but I've not updated that for a while. But um, I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything. And your book that's out already, that's called? The book is called The Complete Guide to Breast Cancer. And I wrote that with Professor Trish Greenhouse. And although it's a breast cancer book, it's for anyone going through cancer and their relatives because you just, you remove the breast cancer surgery chapters and we cover everything. Sex, diet, exercise, menopause, fear of recurrence, what to do when it comes back, how to tell your family, just a general, we've been there and we can help. Brilliant. Great. Well, thank you so much, Liz, and we'll see you soon. You're welcome. Bye, Rachel. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.